I want to be with you everywhere. Hello, Zen. Buongiorno. Oh, ciao, Bella. <laughs> ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. Come ti chiami? Hey, it's the most wonderful. To, oh, sorry, mi chiami su? What's what do I say? My comment. I can't remember. We did this when we did the Avanti book. I can't remember. I can't remember the Italian. Oh, Dario. Io non sono sempre in ritardo. No. Wow. This is such a callback for anybody who's listened to Bang On from the beginning. I even forgot about that. So anybody who hasn't, Dove I don't think libro? we even need to explain Dove it to you. Libro? Where is the book, Zan? Where is my mind? I know. What's happened? We haven't even started today and I aggressively God, asked you, good. what is your name in Italian? That is good. That is good. Uh, it was Christmas this week. Oh, it was fashion Christmas, Miff. Oh, yes, the Met Gala, the day where we all devote at least an hour at work to make sure we can look at pretty <laughs> pictures of people in crazy, nuts, bonkers Outfits And this year's theme for the Met Gala, which is, of course, a fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We seem to forget that. No one actually cares that that's what it's about. It's just the Met Gala now. Um, Raise money for that institution. And it's usually based around an exhibition that the Met has on at the time. And this year's exhibition that they based it on was called Camp Notes on Fashion, which is a nod to Susan Sontag's very seminal 1964 essay, Notes on Camp, where she was the first theorist to actually define the term camp and what it means. You've done your research. I love it. I know. I love camp. I had to study it at uni. I had to read Susan Sontag's uh, essay at uni. It's pro- it's like it's like popular cultural 101 business, but it's really good read and still relatively contemporary and talks about the origins of camp and 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 I think we can see like how inextricably linked it is with the LGBTQ community. It was called mm. gay aesthetics back then, and it was a it was basically camp was a criticism of of mainstream society. It was used as a way of mocking the mainstream, but also done in a kind of love loving and relishing way rather than a judging way, which is a really glorious contradiction. Which is what camp is, in fact. So um, yeah, and I love the theme. Oh. I want to dig in. Oh, I definitely want to dig into your take on this then because when you describe it that way and then you see it translated to a space where some of the richest and most famous mainstream humans that walk mm. this Western world earth are there dressing in camp, differing levels of success. Oh. Can we talk, before we get into that, let's just talk about some of the outfits. Oh. Janelle Monet <laughs> with five hats on and a winking eye boob. Yeah. Well, when Coco Chanel said, take something off before you leave the house, she went, F you, Coco Chanel, I'm just going to add five. Five hats. It was mag- magical, magical. 
there was I saw a lot of cutouts. There was themes of cutouts, you know, people just like with, um, and I don't like cutouts where you've got a dress and you've just got a big hole cut into the side of it or in a place where there shouldn't be a little peekaboo moment. Mm. I really saw a lot of cutouts in, in a lot of the outfits, a lot of bows and feathers. Very feathery Met Gala well, this year, I found. That's true because the ideas of camp when you're critiquing mainstream society, back in the 60s when it originated, there was a lot of people wearing, particularly women, a lot of lace, a lot of feathers, a lot of diamonds and rhinestones thinking they were being classy or tasteful. Mm. Whereas in actual fact, that love of all that stuff, a la Don- Dolly Parton, which is who is an icon of camp culture, um, it's that that is camp culture in itself. They would they would exaggerate and make it bigger, you know, more rhinestones, bigger hair, all of that. That's camp. So that's why you saw all those feathers and diamonds, right? And those nods to that side of camp culture. And Dolly Parton wasn't invited. Oh, disgusting! And where was Cher? Where was Cher? Well, you know who looked just like Cher, who was rocking the spirit of Cher. Celine Dion, and I think she actually was wearing a Bob Mackie outfit with an amazing tasseled outfit, She like a, a, a kind of peacock feathered headdress. I mean, Celine Dion is camp. She's her camp world anyway. is camp. Yeah. So I loved seeing her on the red carpet or on the whatever carpet it was under those big billowy tents. Casey Musgraves, oh, uh, she was, was dressed quite literally as Barbie with a complete with an amazing hot pink hairdryer handbag. Yeah, and if you look closely at the pictures, she's actually holding her hands in every single shot like a Barbie hand. So, um, good. so her thumb is fused to her her forefinger. It is actually brilliant. And that's that is camp. Like that's taking on an idea and then blowing it up in, in the most extravagant of ways, but really cleverly articulated it and sometimes really subtle as well. Harry High Pants, also known as Harry Styles, who had the high-waisted pant, the beautiful chiffon blouse, the single pearl earring and the patent leather heeled boots. Looking magnificent. He looked beautiful. He looked like an angel. Angel. But, you know, I'm not sure how camp it was. It was kind of camp, but it it wasn't enough for my liking. It could have gone a bit harder, I think. A little bit more more sheer lace, a little bit more see-through, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, puffoonery. If you, even if that is a word, you know, I like it. Bit that's more the, flounce. Bit more flounce. That's that's camp. <laughs> like he, he kind of got there. And this is the thing. I think a lot of them are a bit scared of mm. camp because camp is extra. It's just extra, 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 and you don't care. You're just loving it, and you're critiquing it at the same time. So, yeah, we can get to what they got wrong, but I think he looked absolutely beautiful. Well, let's. I mean, there was a lot of people talking about this as it rolled through. The beauty of the internet is that you're seeing, and if you're like me, scrolling through the Vogue live blog and seeing oh. every single edition like it's a gift from heaven. Maggie Rogers, looking, uh, who's the singer songwriter, looked. Her, I'm gonna. This is cruel, but she, her outfit looked like a butthole. Like she was what? kind of this big. It was a big skin toned dress, and then there was sort of. A, just look at it. Just Google image search. I'm going in. I can't remember it. It was full on. Katy Perry dressed quite literally as a chandelier. Oh, see that, that, How is that camp? That's great. Uh, see, look, it's probably not quite camp, but it's got the kind of, um, oh, it's, it's got camp sensibility. You know, a chandelier is extra. A chandelier would adorn somebody's very over-the-top living area if they thought they were posh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that. Cardi B, Disney oh. villain. <laughs> Cardi B. <laughs> Someone was saying Shania. She looked amazing. That dress was amazing. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. But the who was your fave? Coming, oh, who was my fave? Yeah. I think that Casey Musgraves. I really loved Casey Musgraves' outfit because it was just the whole hog. It was. It just took my breath away. I was like, oh my god, she is Barbie. This yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So much attention to detail, uh, and I think it was really it captured the the. The, the essence of camp as well. Mm. But um, Darren Hayes, there's a few tweets that I saw that really stood out. Darren Hayes, who's, of course, the lead singer of Savage Garden, um, tweeted, camp is deadly serious, but it does not take itself seriously. Whole lot of folks missed out on that memo. And Brendan McLean, who's an Australian singer-songwriter, said camp is wonderful because you can literally pick up a cardboard box off the ground and make it camp. But as you can see, you can have millions of dollars <laughs> and fail at it. Can't buy a vibe. And this was pretty much the response from a lot of people who truly understand camp, where it came from and how it was executed at this Met Gala, wasn't it, Miff? Yeah, absolutely. Like camp's always been about challenging the status quo and it seems really weird that they've used camp as a theme for the Met Ball, which is possibly one of the most expensive balls and extravagant, most most sort of, you know, upper echelons of society balls in the world. It, it seems almost a little tasteless to mm. be utilising it as a theme. Um, mm. and, and there's a really great article that uh, I, I'd love everyone to read because this really kind of nailed for me what it is that's always a bit wrong about the Met Gala, even though I love it. And it's simply titled, Why Met Gala Attendees? always screw up the theme. <laughs> this is really interesting. It's on the Atlantic. And basically it talks about the fact that, A, the Met Gala is organised by Anna Wintour. So you've got a, a fashion queen who decides who gets to come and go in the first place. And then also she vetoes their outfits. So she gets to say what outfits come. And I'm I'm sure she understands camp, but part of her job is to choose who's cool and who's not cool. And mm. even by vetoing really ordinary outfits, she's kind of putting them out there to be criticised in mm. a way. So she's letting kind of some bad outfits go out there as well and not really getting the theme right. So so there's that, which feels a bit bitchy in high school. Um, but but the other bit was, and and I think this really nails it, and I'll read from the article, the boldest, most exhilarating ideas are rarely generated from within the fashion industry itself or by those traditionally allowed to walk red carpets. Camp world exists as an oppositional force to traditional classic notions of good taste. So if you think mm. about that, it's it's not about good taste and you've got a whole bunch of people there and this next line, camp in particular requires a humour and joy that doesn't come naturally to those worried about decorum. It's the aesthetic invention of black drag queens and it can't be fully realised in any environment where a wealthy white person gets to decide what everyone wears. And that controlled environment doesn't just describe the Met Gala, it's also corporate fashion at large. How good is that? Such a good piece. It nailed it too. Oh. And it's almost like you were kind of being handed that on a platter just to, and I'm sure that when this, again, like you say, this theme is tied to an exhibition. Every year the Costume Institute puts on an exhibition and the Met Gala is kind of the launch of that. But it's ironic that the people putting on this exhibition and then hinging it knowing that the Met Gala, Met Gala is almost bigger than the ex exhibition itself 
there's they're not going to be shown up by that, that mm. then people aren't going to actually criticise that they're, they're so far in that world and outside the world of camp and they're not actually open to the people who would be able to fuel this world, who do live yeah. in this world and uh, have, you know, born this world, they're not even listening to those people and creating their own idea of camp. And, yeah. of course, when it goes out into the public realm, it's just completely eviscerated, yeah. you know, the response is quite rightly really, really negative. That that article also pointed out that Billy Porter, who again, oh. remember his outfit at the Oscars <laughs> where he wore the amazing tuxedo that turned into a beautiful big ball gown, he rolled up looking like Cleopatra, a sun god, all kinds of things rolled into one and on the shoulders of six half-naked men, absolutely owning it. And Not he, camp enough, Zan. <laughs> Not camp enough. <laughs> Him, him, Katie Musgraves and Frank Ocean, oh. who again looked kind of like a glorified uh, parking valet, but in a very expensive outfit, really making a oh. statement. They all exist outside of these ideas of good taste. Yes. They are people who live outside of these realms that the Met is celebrating and they're the ones that succeeded the most. Yes, yes, exactly, because they don't care what anyone in the fashion industry thinks. They're just doing their thing. And let's say Lizzo as well. She was amazing. Mm. You know, they, 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 and they get it. They're creatives themselves. They're not, not saying that fashion people aren't creative. They are, but, you know, it's, I think it's a very different thing. You mentioned uh, Frank Ocean, and I'll give you a little tip. His was one of the most clever of all. He looked like just Norman Normal going about his business in regular outfit, but he had a small camera, handheld camera, and you know what he was talking about there. Do you remember Bill Cunningham, the New York photographer who used to go mm. around dressed like a very normal, he was an older gent, he took photographs of New Yorkers for forever. There was a beautiful documentary on him recently. I'm sure you can still see it. And mm. he was a legend, but he was always very quiet and very shy. He also documented camp culture in America. So Frank Ocean going around dressed like he's just no one, not even dressed up really, and holding a camera and pretending to photograph everybody or even photographing them was a nod to Bill Cunningham. How good's I that? I love that. How the eye that? that brings camp to the world. That mm -hmm. is beautiful. Perfect. I didn't know that. That is awesome. Well, a massive misstep this week in the papers, uh, the Daily Telegraph, which is the kind of tabloid rag in Sydney, everybody would have heard of it, um, went on the attack on Bill Shorten, which they've done for a long time. It's getting particularly um, filthy leading up to the oh. election, unsurprisingly. And they basically said that he'd lied about, you know, his origin story. He's said uh, on Q&A that his um, mother had never fulfilled his dream and they decided to point out that she had, in fact, become a barrister at the age of 50 mm. after raising her children and um, taking a job as a teacher because that initially was able to support her family better than following her dreams. They completely missed the core part of this narrative in trying to call out Bill Shorten as a liar. And that was the challenges that generations of women had and still face in not being able to realise their own dreams or sacrificing, having to sacrifice them for those that they loved. And man, 
the reaction to this was huge, wasn't it, Miff? Oh, it's been so good. There's a hashtag on Twitter and I can't recall it right now. What's it called? I think it's my mum. It's hashtag just, my mum. It's just hashtag my mum. Super simple. And people are writing stories of, of their wonderful mums and what element of their life was really due to obligation or due to societal expectations or even just due to necessity had to forego their own careers and their own possibly happiness in order to just get through and it's been beautiful it's been a really it's been a really lovely thing to be able to read these stories online this week and and celebrate and just realize that these cultural institutions such as newspapers really underestimate you know the, from the top down they're still really underestimating women's experience like as soon as Bill Shorten said that about his mum we all thought yeah yeah we women and probably men that that know have understand their mums go oh yeah that's true mum gave up a lot to have me you know she probably wasn't allowed like my mum had to resign when she was pregnant in the education department Mm. she was a teacher Um, and when they criticised Bill Shorten's mum for making it which apparently she did by being a lawyer, she wasn't able to be a lawyer until she was in her 50s and even then she was only doing it for six years. I don't see that as living your dreams at all. And there's just a real disconnect, I think, um, in the top echelons of these kind of cultural institutions that have any understanding that for generations before this and probably still to this day, women have had to forego an awful lot to allow everybody else in their families or their partners to succeed. There was the sting in the tail as well that they kind of suggested that because she eventually, you know, realised her dream that everything was all right in the end and that, you know, as, as a byproduct of that, women have nothing to complain about, that she yeah. reached it. And I think that, yeah, women all over Australia and plenty of men as well called bullshit totally, on that, you know. Totally, um, It's it was, I don't think, something that was at all intentional and I don't think that the my mum hashtag has come in as a response to this, but the timing of it couldn't be better or worse as you lead into Mother's Day this weekend mm. and everyone's probably thinking about what their parent or their mother or who represents the mother in their life has done to, you know, sacrifice for them in raising them and caring for them. Mm. And then you got something like this. It's just filthy journalism, but we rag so much on the internet and how dark it can be. This was one of those weeks where the internet just corrected yeah. in the face of very outdated um, and very off, re- totally, totally off, off journalism. <laughs> if you can even call it journalism, it was just a massive misstep. But totally. um, good on you, internet, for... Um, Restoring the balance. Yep. It was beautiful to see those hashtags. Yep. And I don't want to see new, newspaper culture die at all, but um, in the words of my dad, uh, today's today's news, tomorrow's Dunny Paper, and that one deserves to be Dunny Paper. <laughs> What a song, Miff. Are you a fan of this new uh, Madonna collab? Not sure. Still re- reserving my judgment on that. I haven't grown to, haven't warmed to it. Put it that way. Um, yeah. But she's going to be at Eurovision, so I think I like it now. <laughs> Good answer. Very <laughs> diplomatic answer. She's um she's going to be getting ready to do some um, shows as well. And uh, Nick Bond tweeted out this week uh, a, a little um, funny little image of a special medallion medallion, so I should say, VIP package. If you want to, well, it looks like you could meet. Madonna, but when you look a little bit closer to this VIP package, which clocks in at $1,995, and I'm not sure whether that's AUD or 
USD. I'm pretty sure it's American dollars. You get um, one premium reserved ticket in the front row to see Madonna. That's pretty good. That's great. You get exclusive access to a backstage tour led by your VIP host. That's cool. The VIP host is not Madonna, by the way. There's two little asterisks yep. next to that yep, good. where it probably says it's just some person. Yep. But here's the kicker. Group photo opportunity on stage from where Madonna will be performing a few hours later. <laughs> so not, she's not going to be there. But you get to stand in the place where she will be later oh, on, but I, nowhere near where she's going to be right say, now. Can I say I'd pay, Zan? I would pay to stand on the stage with Madonna's set. I would pay. I would pay. What would you do with your time? Would you just would you rub your hand over the ground that she was about to walk about on? To would sweat you kiss on. the ground? Yeah, roll around on it. Get a I can just imagine you turning up and just like rolling around <laughs> on your back like a dying cockroach or something Get on stage waiting snaps. for Madonna. Get a few happy snaps on the riser where no doubt she'll, you know, she'll cock a leg up at some point and, um, <laughs> you know, dance provocatively. I don't know. I'm here for this. I once, do you remember, I know I've told this story before, but when I went, got the chance to interview Paul McCartney, I was there for hours because I basically had to stick around until after he'd done soundcheck, mm. which was amazing because I got to hang out, meet all of his crew and go on a backstage tour and also watch his soundcheck. So it was a, an incredible experience. But when I was on the backstage tour, we went around to all the little bits. I saw, you know, his little side package of all his guitars. Mm. And then we were taken up on stage and it was at Amy Park, which is the big sort of soccer stadium huge. that he played in, in Melbourne. Huge, yeah, huge, huge park. And we went up on stage and I got to stand where he would stand, um, looking out into the crowd. And it was an incredible feeling. She's just like, oh, my God, in a few hours this is going to be filled with people screaming at him. Imagine what that feels like. Oh, see, and I you'd, stood pay. There. you'd pay. You'd <laughs> pay. But I didn't even pose in front of the mic. I just took a photo of the mic stand and the monitor speakers around him oh. and just this void of nothing. Oh. Took a little happy snap. Here's That's where Paul awesome. stands. stand. So I guess it is kind it's of fun. Great. It's great. $2,000 worth of fun, though? Look, I don't know. You know, there's other things you could spend your money on, I'm sure. But, you know... Nick Bond also followed up with an amazing tweet, which he found a meet and greet for Lisa Marie Presley, and this is incredible. So her meet and greet is $165, a lot less. Mm. Uh, and it still says, would pay. Lisa, still would, oh, absolutely. Mm, but here's cheap. the thing, and this might be a deal breaker for you, Miff. Mm. Lisa Marie Presley will do a short Q&A, meet each person and cool. pose for photos. Cool. Merchandise will be provided. Cool. And then in, in capitals, very important, Anyone dressed as Elvis or Michael Jackson oh. will not be allowed to attend under any circumstances. That's a disgrace. <laughs> and that's in capitals because someone or many people have tried that on before. Oh, Imagine Lisa turning Marie. up as Elvis. Poor Lisa Marie. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm just dressed up as your dead husband, dead ex-husband. <laughs> And dead dad. Yeah, and dead dad. Sorry, I thought it was. <laughs> it's not it's both. Lisa Marie's daughter. It's both. Oh God. Poor little Lisa. Poor little Lisa. Little Lisa. Poor, Poor little, little Lisa. Lisa. Oh. Wow. Hangboy found the Euro trash <laughs> version of Zorba the Greek Far out. and then some. <laughs> It was awful Jeez, and I loved it. <laughs> when I was saying to him, he's like, what is it, Zorba's? I was like, Zorba the Greek. Mm. I was not expecting that version of Zorba the Greek. That's so good. I want that of every time I walk into version. a room. <laughs> 
It's verging on crazy frog bad. Oh, like that uh, is. Ding, 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 I love that song. Shut up. Right. Anyway. What are you banging on about? Now that we've done well, it is related. Is it? Really? It is related. Yeah. Um, it's related You're going to an to the incredible. Greek islands. I wish my friend's actually in a Greek island. That Greek island <sighs> I went to last year, Milos, and it's ki- his Instagram is killing me right now. Well, now Shout you know how Paul, we felt. Who's part of the Bang fan. Now you know how we <laughs> felt. All right, so bad luck. It's true. It's all coming back to me. I'm banging on about Daniel, an Italian boy from Reservoir in Melbourne, who has completely lucked out because he lives next door to a yaya who cannot stop feeding him. And he's turned this into an amazing Instagram account called Yaya Next Door. Basically, it's him walking up to the fence. And it's kind of like, what was that um, in Home Improvement? Was it Wilson next door and you never saw his face or you only saw his eyes? It's kind of that vibe where basically he just hears Yaya calling out to him mm-hmm. it, and it's very much along the veins of you know you got to eat along the lines of you got to eat you know yes. like, eat some food and she makes amazing plates of food and just put hands them because she's very short statured yeah. yeah yeah and she hands them over the fence to him and then just keeps on handing him stuff up uh, you know just plates and plates of food it is so funny and he returns the plates that are cleaned and Does he also he? gives her like returns the you know treats like fresh ciabatta and salami and, and other treats for her as well so it's not a one-way street and he drives her around sometimes doesn't he to the chicken it's, shop it's a beautiful yeah it's beautiful <laughs> it's it's this amazing little surprise on the internet and again oh, the goodness heaven. of the internet a reminder also of the connection of neighbors there it's like this kind of unlikely odd couple you've got the greek grandma next door to the young italian boy who's probably living in a share house and she has probably, her family have moved out and she's, you know, I'm assuming kind of living on her own and she wants to, you know, connect. Oh, she and can Daniel's come and live next to me. <laughs> I know. I want my I own yaya. To live next to yaya. I want my but own he, yaya. You know, it's wonderful for both of them. Oh. It is so beautiful. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, it's, it's something, gonna... someone you need to follow on Instagram, yaya next door. It is such a beautiful thing. Oh, Zan, my heart is warmed. I really, so it's good. so beautiful. I looked up a couple today and I was just so excited about yaya. Yes. I seriously want one. If anyone's got a yaya to donate, I'll be, <laughs> I'm happy to accommodate a next door neighbour who's a great yaya. I'm sure you can find a yaya on Airtasker or something like that. Yeah. Lend out your yaya. Yeah. <laughs> what are you banging on about? Um, this is a pretty simple bang on, but series two of Killing Eve has started up ah, on yes. ABC. They're up on iView. Not all the episodes, which is a little disappointing. I thought they'd put them all up, but up there. But they're going as they're released on television. So that's fi- that's fine, I guess. I just want to watch the lot, you know. ABC. I'll have a word, quiet word, near with someone <laughs> who's the new head of television. Let's have a quiet word. Um, but, yeah, same as last time, Sandra O oh drives the series. She is a spy. She works for MI, was MI5 and then MI6, which is the even more secret spy thing. And um, she is dealing with a psychopathic assassin who is a villanelle. And, again, the plot line is fabulous. Uh, the stories are just bonkers and kooky. It's It's told from a women's perspective in a way I haven't seen really on television before. I haven't really Mm. seen a show like this before. It it really, I mean, it look it really, really delves into violence in quite a strong way. And and I haven't seen a female driven show that's been that sort of relishing of violence as well, Mm. which is kind of weird. Not saying that's good, but it's a technique that I, I haven't necessarily seen. So there's lots of new stuff going on. Phoebe. 
well, is it Phoebe Waller-Bridge who wrote Fleabag, that television yeah. series of which I can't find series two. If anyone's got it, um, feel free to let me know <laughs> on the uh, you asking for more passwords, on the dark aren't you? web on the dark oh web myths dark Amazing. web. I'd Amazing. be really appreciate it. Just um, send me a DM on Twitter <laughs> and if you've got it somewhere or you can yeah, whatever. I'm open. So yeah, uh, Killing Eve series two. Get on board. Brilliant. Love it. Miff, you're going to be getting on a plane very soon. I know. Can you? Are we going to be talking to you in Tel Aviv next week? You will at Euros. Euros Visuals. Oh, my God. It's already come up. I know. It's here already. Are you excited? I am excited, actually. There's always a sense of impending dread about what's in front of me and how crazy and nuts it all gets in a week. But it'll be wonderful. Kate Miller-Heidke might actually win this. I genuinely I've seen believe. some footage of her flying through the air. What is going on? Well, you know, she when we did Australia Decides when we picked the song, she was wearing a huge dress um, mm. with the um, Dementor behind her on a stick. She's now on a stick with two Dementors and it looks incredible and it's so Eurovision. It's bonkers and amazing and staging is incredible and everybody saw the rehearsal and went, oh, wow, she could win this. She's at 10th on the betting odds as we record this. So... I don't know. It's very Eurovision. It's 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 quite camp and magnificent <laughs> and over the top. And we come full circle. And, but then to, it's a beautiful song. There's a really earnest, beautiful song at the core. I don't know. I've, I'm feeling quietly confident for her, to be honest. It's, it's exciting. I can't wait to catch up with you with all the behind-the-scenes Eurovision goss from oh. Tel Aviv next week. Oh, that'll be a bang-on worth listening to. I was, yeah. in, I was in a shed. I've been in a shed for four days and I'm going mad. <laughs> Well, I think we'll be talking to you when you're um, lying in bed, having just woken up. So it'll be a fresh, fresh bang on next week. Ooh. But I will, I will see you on the side. Safe flying oh, I miss and you um, already, Zan. Safe travels. You're going to have a ball. It's going to go by in a minute. So you know, enjoy every second. Oh, you bet I will. Thanks, Zan. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. Spring break. <laughs> <laughs> Double J.